You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we are excited to welcome back as our first guest of the new year, Dragonfly Coaching's Julie McCoy. Julie's a life coach. who will be talking with us about lessons learned from 2020 that we can take forward into this wonderful new year of 2021. It's a new year, and it's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. My guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome back to Workplace Perspective, Julie McCoy. Thank you, Teresa. Happy New Year and thank you for having me back again. I, we're so excited. I love that we've, we're this, I think, our third time we've had you kick off our new year. And I think it's a great way to do it. 2021, can you believe it? Thank goodness, right? never so happy to see a a year in the rearview mirror ever well this is a great topic today we're going to be talking about lessons from 2021 that we can take forward with us into this new year what we can use to improve ourselves improve our lives improve our quality of lives and leaving behind everything that doesn't serve us so i am so excited to talk about this so let's jump right into it well, thank you, Teresa. So I've, I've done a lot of reflecting on the year 2020 as we leave it in the rearview mirror, thank goodness. But <laughs> I, I think it's really important for your listeners to, before they rush back to normalcy in 2021, whenever that takes place, I think it's really important to reflect upon the things that they undoubtedly learned in the what I call the crucible of 2020, because it was that for many of us, and some of us far more than others. But, um, you know, there's a saying among the coaching community that there's no comfort in the growth zone and no growth in the comfort zone. And we've all been terribly uncomfortable to varying degrees for the past year, and we now see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, the return to our normal uh, routines and hectic schedules, and, and and I think it's going to be really important to take out of the experience of 2020, the uncomfortable experience, the lessons that we all learned. And, and you know, sitting here right now, some of your listeners may be dismissing that um, because you know it, it, they were most of us were more focused on the pain and how to get through it, and what was going to happen next, and the fear that accompanied all of it, and the uncertainty of it. But invariably, I am certain that we all learned things. Maybe we learned a new skill. For example, I know a lot of people 
uh, like I'll take myself as an example. I wasn't really much of a cook when we started this process. <laughs> My husband and I ate out a lot. We got a lot of takeout. We snacked. Um, and all of a sudden, I found that I had to actually prepare a week's worth of menus and shop and prepare food. And I became a much better cook because I had to learn how to do things like substitute ingredients. And before, I was just following a recipe rigidly because that's all I knew how to do. I had no idea how to substitute. Well, if you can't just run out to the store to get one item because that's too dangerous, right, to your health, uh, you have to figure that out. So there's there was real learning around that. Uh, for me, I I know of other people who have had to learn things like how to be alone. A lot of people just really can't stand the thought of being alone. And uh, the isolation of this pandemic has forced us into that. Um, you know, I would say that as we leave this year, last year behind us, it's important to take a moment to reflect on what we gained. Uh, and there were a lot of positives that came out of 2020 on, on a broader scale. Uh, for example, the images of the clear skies in Los Angeles on those beautiful days when there was no pollution. The images of the Himalaya mountain line, which yeah. you never see, right, because it's always obscured in smog. The fact that a lot of us learned that our lives were so much more hectic when we were running around in our cars going back and forth to meetings it was so much easier just to sit down at our desk and have a, a really productive meeting, right? Absolutely. You know, I find that amazing now. And that was one of the first things I noticed was how much time I saved by not having to. And I still get ready. I mean, I get up, I put my, you know, I do my hair, put my clothes on, makeup, I put my jewelry on and everything. But still, it's so awesome how much time you save. Right, and you're saving the environment at the same time. Yeah. And you arrive at meetings not so frazzled, especially in Southern California when you're driving in the traffic all of the time. Um, So I, you know, I just hope that going forward, some of us will remember the value of having Zoom meetings, which they seemed very awkward in the beginning. And some people hated them so much, they just, you know, signed off and refused to come back. But for those of us who had to stick it out, because there were things we had to accomplish, I think we learned how to work through the awkwardness of when is it my turn to speak and, oh, shut up, because that person's talking. And once we did that, we found that it was really productive platform for getting things done and we could sit down calmly at our desk with a cup of coffee or a glass of water and proceed to our meeting without the rush of oh I just got off the freeway I'm late I gotta find a parking place I've got to rush in take an elevator so I I just hope that some of us will from time to time and undoubtedly in-person meetings are going to resume as soon as they can Uh, and I hope that some of us will maybe take a pause and every now and then say, hey, you know, this meeting doesn't have to be in person. Let's stay in the comfort of our own homes, our own offices, and just do this via Zoom or via conference call. Do you think that's going to be a trend? A lot of organizations that I belong to have taken this idea that they're going to continue to move forward in a hybrid fashion because a lot of people on the business side, there's really interesting aspects on the business side to it. And on the organizational side, the philanthropic side, there's this, it's a weird phrase to use, but there's an intimacy 
to being on a Zoom call, even in a big group, that you don't get when you are in person and you get lost because you get lost in a crowd. You can't see everyone. You can't necessarily reach out and talk to someone as readily as you would because you don't want to interrupt a conversation or you can't get somebody's attention or you just can't get across the room in time to say hi. But there's this really unique aspect. If people can put aside the bad things that they don't like about Zoom meetings, there really are some amazing aspects to it. And that intimacy is one of it, that that togetherness in that environment, that closed sort of environment. I know it's flat, but it's still, there's just something about it. So I really hope that we don't lose that uh, as well and that, that some of those aspects do continue. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of business, at least the ones that I've talked to, are really thinking of ways to maintain that hybrid attitude. Yes, I think that'll be a very valuable thing. And I agree with you on the intimacy aspect. I don't think that's a strange word to use at all. Uh, because as each person speaks, like you say, even in a large meeting, their face fills the screen. You feel like you're sitting right next to them because you are sitting, I'm literally 12 inches from my computer monitor right now. <laughs> so you're right there. And, and I, I think it's also led to more collegial meetings uh, because people are in that situation where you feel so close to someone, so intimate, you're not as inclined to interrupt. And I've seen people being more respectful of the other speakers in a group setting than they would be if you were all in the same room, which is really interesting. Oh, it's great. And the time saving too. I've had colleagues comment on the fact that meetings are much more streamlined. People get on, you get to the point, any new business, and we're out of there. It's it's really an interesting I, a time saver on so many levels. I love it. It is. And I think, you know, I think efficiency is one thing that has come out of this process, um, not only in the Zoom meetings, but I think a lot of people have found that working from home really vastly increases their efficiency and makes them more productive. Now, I'll remove from that observation the people who are trying to work at home while homeschooling children and their husbands at the desk right next to them or their wife is right next to them working and talking on their cell phone. That probably has been pretty challenging for them. But for those who are able to work in a, in a, a quiet workspace, I think a lot of people have probably learned they're more productive in that space. Yeah, and I think a lot of employers have realized that aspect of it, you know, that in fact, this huge fear that productivity is going to drop, people are going to be messing around. I don't think that's the case. And I think that people at this point have relaxed enough to trust that. And that takes it a step farther to allow people to manage their time on their own as they see fit, as long as the work gets done. What does it matter if it's done after the kids have gone to bed, as long as you, you know, returned all your phone calls during the day, you attended all the meetings you were supposed to do, the work aspect of it, you know, that ability to work around the spouse sitting next to you or, you know, the caregiver aspect of your life, whether it's kids or family members or whatever it might be, that flexibility is so amazing. And it's it's been such a, a blessing to be able to, to do that, just to, just to get, just to organize your life. Even, even if you don't have kids, we don't have kids. And I still find it very de-stressing to be able to organize my life the way I need to organize my life and still get my work done and not have to worry about, are they going to think I'm slacking off? Am I, you know, am I not doing what I need to do? All of those sorts of things. 
Right. That's a very interesting thing that you just said because of that perception of quote unquote slacking off, you know, there was always that my background is in big law firms and there was always that perception that if the associates weren't in the office, they weren't working. So they, I mean, there was actually kind of, well, the rumor was, and maybe it didn't really happen, but there was kind of a patrol that walked the halls around 615 in the evening to see who was still seated at their desk. So I hope this experience has... I don't doubt that. I can really see that. I think it's probably true, yeah. But I hope this has disabused a lot of those partners in law firms and employers in general from the idea that can't have eyes on their employees or their associates. Nothing productive is happening because I think this has taken... It's probably been the right amount of time to allow those that learning to take place that, yes, in fact, these people can be trusted. They are adults. They are human beings. And at the same time, I think probably employers have identified those who can't really work that way, who <laughs> need to be more supervised, right? And there are people who found out they don't like working from home. Because yes. I know that was the, that was the fear, right, when, for employers. Like, if we allow this, boy, it's going to be a mass exodus. But that's not true either, because there are a lot of people who don't want to work from home. Right. You know, whether it's because the spouse is working from home and the kids are being schooled or whatever it might be, or it's too much freedom. It's not enough structure. I mean, you learn all, like you said, being by yourself, you learn all kinds of things about yourself when you are faced with, okay, here's my day and how do I fill it if I don't have my office to go to? the break room to hang out in, my colleagues to visit with. Right. How do I fill my day? Right. And, you know. Yes, a lot of time is lost in the workplace to, you know, just visiting the water cooler conversations and yeah. and hallway visits that don't really need to take place. Now, now, those are nice things because we're human and we need the social interaction. And one downside of this experience has been for a lot of people the enormous social isolation has led to health effects, um, psychological effects, things that are are very negative. So I'm not in favor of just hunkering down and never seeing another human being. I don't think that's good either. But there's a balance, right, like in everything in life. And I think we're learning some balance around some of these issues. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. I think this, you know, you talk about we were preparing for the show, we're talking about this idea of, Looking back, what can you take forward? What can you leave behind? What doesn't serve you? And what can you take forward about yourself, about your work, all of those sorts of things? What have you sort of what have you found with your with your clients that you're seeing? Anything that stands out in particular? People saying, boy, I realized you know, this aspect of either myself or the way that I work just doesn't work for me. I'm gonna. Le- I'm leaving it behind. I've. I realized this, and going forward, I'm gonna. I'm gonna change it. For me, I can say. For me, one of the things I realized is everybody talks about networking, right? For the moment you step in that law firm, everybody is about. Even in law school, got a network, got a network, and I know everybody hears it. It's interesting. What I never realized was how much networking we do in house. Mm-hmm. How much you take that for granted. So one of the, that's one of those lessons I learned, you know, mm-hmm. okay, so the outside networking, I think I got that one, you know, I know how to do that. I'm, I've got it down. I got my system, 
But the in-house networking, when you aren't there to do that, how do you manage that? How do you make that work going forward? So that's yeah. one of those things that I went, okay, here's a realization. I got to, you know, this is not going to work now. I got to find a new way to do it. I have to move forward and, and find a new way to do that. I think that's a great observation. And I, you know, I think what you're touching on right now is that networking isn't about the number of people you know or the number of people that know you. It's about the quality of the relationships that you have and how you show up for those people. And until they know you, maybe intimately because of the Zoom setting, they uh, you don't have a network until you have those people surrounding you right. who respect you. They think they know what you're about. And so it's really the quality and depth of relationships that is so much more important than just raw numbers. And I saw so much of that in the Orange County legal community, people who would just go to things to have their faces seen. There's a certain benefit to that, you know, but it's no substitute for building those real relationships where people understand you and they know what you're about. I'll, I'll give you an example from my own recent life. I joined a Rotary Club here in Chelan, Washington, when I moved here. And, you know, I had a hard time connecting with people. And then very quickly, this pandemic happened, and we're doing everything via Zoom. And now I'm finding that I'm really getting traction in some of those relationships uh, with people I wouldn't have sat with when we were meeting in person. I wouldn't have sat with them to have lunch. But now I'm seeing them on Zoom, in a different, and they're seeing me. And we're building relationships in this strange virtual uh, learning world. So it's, you know, it's kind of reordered um, some social conventions in a way that is is really positive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more from Julie on takeaways from 2020 and looking forward to 2021. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who... Worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone. Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with life coach Julie McCoy about lessons learned from 2020. Julie, what's your biggest lesson from 2020? You know, my biggest lesson is to appreciate my friends. Like a lot of people who are very type A, I get caught up in a lot of tasks and projects. And as I look back on 2019, I realize, and the early part of 2020, I realized that I 
uh, on occasion declined invitations uh, from friends to go and do things because I was busy with my projects that could have waited until I got back. But in my, you know, worldview at the time, I just saw that there would be unlimited opportunities for interacting with friends and I could do that another day. Well, when the governor shut us down on March 17th of last year, I was very quick to realize that I regretted not taking up those friends on their offers when I could. And I've made a, a resolution, not a New Year's resolution, <laughs> but I've set an intention going forward to remember that lesson and, and set things aside because they really can wait. But friendships are so important. Personal relationships are so important. So that's been a huge learning for me this year. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, and when it started, I kept thinking, why? Because Zoom's been around a while. You know, the ability to do a video conference call has been around for a while. And I, I, I'm left thinking, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I, you know, take advantage of this ability to just chat with people, set a night to have a glass of wine and catch up or whatever it might be, and or just have lunch, you know, the business side of things, just still... I don't know why I have it in my head. I had someone call me the other day that I hadn't talked to in a while, and we used to have a regular go out to lunch and catch up. Why haven't I just been reaching out to this person and saying, okay, get your lunch, let's go, let's, you know, let's have a Zoom lunch or something. Right, those things are so important, and I think for type A people, when you're in the middle of something, having been so deadline-driven and goal-oriented for so many years, even though I'm retired now, I can't just put down a project. Well, I can. I don't choose (laughs) to put down a project and go do something fun, like have lunch with a friend or go, we're surrounded by wineries here, a big pastime is to to go wine tasting with girlfriends. But as soon as this lockdown is over and we can get back out safely, I'm there. Me too. That's one of the things I can't wait for, that and to travel, to be able to travel. Travel, yes, I agree. All right. Well, as we look forward to 2021 uh, on the job coaching side, do you have any insights, any thoughts, any, any suggestions for any of our listeners who might be struggling in their careers or having spent all this time, you know, these past months working from home and maybe they've started to realize that they're not quite as fulfilled as they thought they were at the job that they had. Do you have any insights for them? Any thoughts? Well, my first thought is that I believe that each of us learned the lesson or lessons that we were destined to learn during the crucible of 2020. And those lessons apply directly to the things you're talking about, job satisfaction, life fulfillment. So I think it's going to be very important because lessons we don't get, we're going to get to repeat over and over again until we do get them. So I think it's important before we leave 2020 in the rearview mirror, so to speak, that we take time for some reflection and introspection to think about okay, during this chaos of this past year and the fear and the anxiety of the past year, what did I take away? What did I do better than I thought I could? What new skill did I learn? What new hobby did I pick up? What, you know, what did I learn about, you know, meetings or whatever it is? There are ways in which each of us are taking something away from the mess of 2020 that will serve us uh, in the future in life and in our jobs. 
And so I think um, before we just beat feet into 2021 to go back to our old ways of doing things, it's really important to take a little bit of time to reflect on our takeaways and what was better, what we did learn, how we did improve ourselves, because I pretty much guarantee, now I'll take out of that mix, people who are under some kind of existential threat, which some people, some of our neighbors are as a result of the events of 2020, uh, the loss of their income, their jobs, their health, um, maybe severe psychological uh, pain that they're grappling with. Learning is very difficult in that kind of an environment. But absent an existential threat, 2020 uh, was really the perfect environment for learning for the rest of us. So to, to not get the lesson, having gone through what we've all gone through, would be a real tragedy. So I would just encourage listeners to sit down uh, with a pen and, and, and paper or a glass of wine or just look at the sunset and, and just reflect upon what their takeaway is. And then something I have found with coaching clients is that when the lesson, when the light turns on and they they get the lesson, very often it's quickly lost because they go right back to their old routines. It's human nature, right? So sometimes in order to keep a lesson, I suggest that people get a talisman or a symbol of some sort and put it in some prominent place. It could be a note, uh, a sticky note taped to the bathroom mirror, uh, just a reminder. It could be uh, something like uh, you want to remember that you can always suggest to do a meeting via Zoom instead of going there in person, a little toy car on your desk next to your monitor that reminds you, hey, I'm going to suggest that we do this meeting remotely this time. Uh, it could be something like a maybe a new item for the kitchen to remind you that you really are a confident cook now <laughs> coming out of 2020. But sometimes I think having something physical that's present in some prominent place that you look at every day is is a good thing to keep the lesson with you after you figure out what it is but that being the first step i love it that's a great step it's a great (laughs) step all right well i think we are just about at the end of our time julie i want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insight and your wisdom and inspiration with our listeners thank you so much thank you for having me Teresa. happy 2021 everyone If you want to find out more about Julie and Dragonfly Coaching, you can find them on the web at dragonflycoachjulie.com. That's D-R-A-G-O-N-F-L-Y coachjulie.com. You can also connect with Julie via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast. I also want to thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer producer, Paul Roberts, Associate producer, Melissa DeLacy. Music provided by the very talented Stephen Bersaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar.